All right, here's a fun fact. Did you know that the band Chumbawamba was formed in 1982? First of all, I'm not entirely sure why we're starting the podcast with Chumbawamba. <laughs> because... Why would you not start the podcast with Chumbawamba? <laughs> what Fair planet question. are you from? <laughs> but 1982, seriously? Yeah, yeah 1982. And did you further know that Chumbawamba had 16 albums? <laughs> 16? I know, I know of one. <laughs> I am the Chumbawamba historian here, <laughs> <laughs> and Chumbawamba's masterpiece, Tub Thumper, as you know. The only one I know. Exactly. Was album was album number eight. Wow. Out of their discography of 16, <laughs> that was number eight. And it took these musical geniuses eight albums to hone their craft, discover their voice, and ultimately tell the world that when one gets knocked down, one gets up again. <laughs> I mean, I guess you don't start tub thumping overnight. <laughs> One does not simply go from zero to tub thumping. <laughs> Welcome to the sandbox. I'll have a lager drink. I'll have a whiskey drink. I'll have a lager, whiskey, and cider drink. <laughs> <laughs> but before all that, welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Dave. And I'm Carrie. Yeah, so Carrie is here hey. again. This is the second episode that you've gotten to join us. It's great to have you. Thanks. And uh, Dave is here, but also not really. I am so not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> because like, as this is released, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in Scotland yeah. by about this time. So... Yeah, I don't know if uh, be watching CNN and the international news segment. I will probably be making waves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is also almost Memorial Day weekend, almost June, and the start of summer. Uh, and so what that means is as just changing up the schedule a little bit. So we're going to be going monthly for the next few months. Uh, just so you know that, don't look for us in the podcast apps every two weeks because you won't find us. And also, it's almost June, which means... It's our birthday. It is. It's our birthday. Oh, you guys. It's yeah, Sandbox. Happy birthday. It's Sandbox birthday. We've been doing this for four years now. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's been two of the best years of my life. And, <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, four years. I mean, all these episodes, all this... Uh, I mean, just think about all the guests that we've had mm -hmm. and the conversations. I've just learned a ton and so it's been it's just been a lot of fun yeah and i'd just like to take that opportunity to just kind of invite you if there's something that as you've been listening over the years that has been helpful for you has, has been interesting has been uh maybe maybe helped you see something in a little bit different way just you know let us know or or share that better yet share it with a friend and and let them uh know about it too and maybe that maybe it'll be helpful for them also absolutely but getting back to today's topic which is not just about chumbawamba Oh, I'm sorry, like, Dave. Seriously, I thought this was the Chumbawamba <laughs> episode. Maybe down the road. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. But thinking about that, so it took them eight albums to come out with the only single that we all know, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it made us think, we see a lot of perfection. We see a lot of end result, a lot of final product, but not a lot of process. Yeah, we really don't get a chance to look under the hood and just kind of see how it's made, see how things got there. Mm -hmm. And uh, from the outside looking in, it just looks like um, 
it was born that way. Like the greatness just is. It just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, what is this doing to us? And mm-hmm. what are we missing in not getting to see all of the process of practicing and learning new things? How do we practice that? How do we show that? How do we kind of practice practicing and learning, I guess, in some ways? I just think it also it manifests itself in all different kinds of ways. I mean, it, it could be about uh, an athlete or a, uh, you know, a singer, a performer of some sort. It could be simply... You know, when I move into a house, it needs to look like this. It mm-hmm. needs to be this kind of house and this kind of neighborhood with this kind of furnishings and this kind of a thing. And yeah, no, I mean, there's process and there's mm-hmm. life and there's stuff between point A and point B. And it makes me think about all of this effort that we're putting in trying to make it um, look perfect. Is that perfection worth it in the end? Is that mm-hmm. what the goal really is? Or is it? good enough if it only matches someone else's standard of what they see as a success? Is it good enough if we meet our own expectations, the ones that we had when we started, when we thought, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be perfect at it right away? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We always kind of want to, and not in a bad way, but we kind of want to show off the best of ourselves, you know, be proud of what we've accomplished. We want to tell people that we did something, you know, we want to tell our friends and family and get excited and and obviously, you know, like we post all that stuff on Facebook and Instagram and all the other social medias and we don't have to like dig into all the ills and awfulness of social media, but like, I think that's exaggerated that tendency that we have to like only tell people about kind of the good stuff mm-hmm. and kind of the end product in some ways. Yeah. But Chris, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's all even a lot more complex than that. I mean, we have good days, we have bad days, we have tragic and unfortunate things that happen. And it's really easy to want to do something but then get discouraged when it becomes mm-hmm. challenging. It doesn't come as quickly as we'd like. But there are very few things that for any of us that come totally naturally. Even where we, we think we might have a, a little bit of raw talent, even there it takes repetition, it takes practice and time to fine tune into, into a well-honed skill. So what you're telling me is I can't just look up a cake on Pinterest and – decorate it perfectly even though i've never done it before no carrie and i can but not <laughs> right <laughs> but not me cool 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 uh no like do uh, say more <laughs> first of all we were talking about this earlier before we were recording and the cookie monster one it's so good it's so good. if you haven't seen the cookie monster pinterest fail just search that just search cookie monster cupcake pinterest fail really those things are real though like it takes some real effort and skill i actually um We've been doing this thing at home where we've been trying to like reduce our uh, the plastic that we use. And so that means that like there's a lot of containers we can't buy and there's a lot of foods we can't eat without making them. And so we were like, oh, cool, let's make ice cream because there's no real good ice cream container that we can actually recycle around here. So we bought the KitchenAid attachment and we went to make it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally do this. It'll be great. <laughs> and then it turns out that like you have to cook the egg without curdling it in the milk on the stove. And that's like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> It just can't happen. And, you know, it it just took some effort. Uh, actually, my wife, Noelle, just, just made some the other night and it was way better than mine. But it does take the that's practice. A, that's, that's not shocking. It's not me. shocking. <laughs> but the second time around for me, it was a yeah. lot better. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take that effort, you take that time um, and you can get there. Yeah. And I think part of that is sharing the process that you're going through. So not mm-hmm. sharing just the end product of the most amazing ice cream you've ever had that you made by yourself, but sharing the idea that it took a while to get there. Mm-hmm. I've been following Jonathan Van Ness on Instagram for quite a while now, yes. um, after getting to know him on Netflix's Queer Eye. And he's the best guy on there. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. I'm going to 
stake that claim. But he is like an amazing hairdresser and groomer, and he has this certain zest for life that is rarely found in people. Um, he is incredibly fun. And he had quite a following before, I believe, but then since Queer Eye has gotten to be more popular mm-hmm. and more successful, he has um, really risen in popularity. Yeah, and, and that's how I know about him. Following. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of people know him from Queer Eye. And um, so I was looking through his Instagram one day, and on his Instagram stories, he uh, has been learning how to figure skate. And apparently it's been something he's wanted to do for a while now and just like since childhood, but never had the opportunity. And now as a full grown adult, he (laughs) is learning to figure skate for the first time. And it's incredible because he's doing so, so publicly. Like he is sharing these Instagram stories with his three and a half million followers of him learning to ice skate and taking these like tiny little strides and these shaky turns and slowly finding himself on the ice. And I find myself holding my breath. You are about to break your leg. (laughs) This isn't going (laughs) to end well for you. Exactly. This is not going to go well. And he's so shaky, but he's also so determined and confident and proud of himself for learning and growing. And so it's been so fun to see him over these weeks and months become a better figure skater. Yeah. He's nowhere near the yeah. Olympics. Sorry, Jonathan. But <laughs> it's been so fun to see someone so publicly learn something yeah. and, and dare to be bad at how it. Fa- how far back does this go? Did he know how to ice skate at all or was it like everything from scratch? It was pretty much everything from scratch from what I know. You can actually go back on his Instagram and see and you all can see of it? them. Okay. Um, but it's the first couple videos are very, like he goes about two feet on each leg and then... And it's so countercultural <laughs> yeah. to think of of somebody who's a public figure daring to not be awesome at something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like going out there and and falling flat on your face uh, and and showing what real life actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something in that that I, I don't get to see this uh, with the with the guy that I want to talk about, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, yeah. The Greek, <laughs> the Greek. Sorry, freak. the Wisconsinites in the yeah, room are like freaking out right freaking now. Out. Giannis, <laughs> you know, so he's known as the Greek freak because he's like seven feet tall. He can play every position on the floor, and he does things that uh, defy logic and reason, and you don't, you just don't see it. He's 24 years old. He's one of the MVPs of the league, right? I mean, it's between him and one other guy. So we, we can call him an MVP. He's playing for a, for a championship caliber team. All of that's true. But he didn't just start doing that. Like he started playing at age 19 uh, mm-hmm. in, in the NBA. And he's changed his game a ton in that time through just blood, sweat, and tears, time in the weight room, uh, time studying the games, time learning from some of the greats. And he's become who he is over time. But when I turn on the TV, I expect to see the freak. Yeah, I I expect to see that. (laughs) The only thing I've ever seen is him doing ridiculous things in basketball that I don't understand. Like, that's all. I've never seen any of the other stuff, but it obviously happened. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get to be that talented without something. Yeah, and even for Jonathan Van Ness or, or Giannis uh, and, and, uh, and other people who are very public and on some level can seem even more important than just the average pe- person, 
they're still rolling their garbage to the curb every every night and they are still living their normal lives mm-hmm. and the things that they are doing whether it's ice skating or playing basketball or whatever it is they're doing for the sheer joy of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I imagine that when that joy kind of lets up they'll do the next thing and like we've been saying you know when it comes to, to hobbies skills and the work we create there's ju- there is just so much more to it than the finished product and we only see that tip of the iceberg you know, there's the auditions, there's the practices, there's the rehearsals, there's everything else that led up to that. Um, it makes me think, so I, you know, I'm a musician and a few years ago I decided it'd be fun to learn a new musical instrument. So I play pretty much guitar and saxophone and then like some other fretted stringed instruments, right? Mm-hmm. And my father-in-law used to be a band director and so he's collected like all sorts of instruments over the years. And I was like, you know what? A French horn would be sweet. A French horn. <laughs> a French horn. So I've logically, al- I always loved the sound of it. I thought it'd be super cool. And so, and I'd never, I'd never learned a single brass instrument in my life. So Perfect. of course, French horn is where you start. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it turns out actually French horn is not where you start. <laughs> really? Like, I, uh, I tried playing it, you know, like a few times a week for a few weeks and I just, it was awful. It sounded so bad. And the thing is, I've learned lots of instruments. I know how to play these things. I know the effort that it takes. You know, I've been, I've been playing for a long time and I know the effort it takes to learn something new. But for whatever reason, I still just didn't want to put in the work. I just wanted to pick this thing up and be like, yeah, cool. I can play it now. And I felt like I was in fourth grade learning the recorder all over again. <laughs> nice. like, it was so bad. <laughs> um, Would you still play the recorder? No. <laughs> and it probably wouldn't sound good either. It's been a while. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the crazy thing, I know that it takes work to learn an instrument. Mm-hmm. I, I played guitar for almost 20 years and I certainly did not start out with skill that I have today. But it's it's kind of this weird thing. We live in this weird time where it's actually totally normal for me to like go place an order on Amazon and a new instrument will be here tomorrow. And then I'm expected to be able to play it by the end of the week. It's kind of this weird mm-hmm. time frame that we live in. And that's actually so insane on so many levels. It's part of it's the, you know, like we live in the future because this thing is going to show up at my front door tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the reminder that you're still human. You know, it's it, the expectations that we have sometimes are are just unreasonable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was, I was talking with my mom the other day and, and she told me about this time when I was learning to ride a bike. Apparently she had been pretty sick that day and I was what? was like four years old or whatever it was. <laughs> she had been pretty sick that day. And, and so she was laying down inside the house and she could hear me outside getting on my bike and falling and then getting back on my bike, trying and then falling. It's chumbawamba, man. <laughs> I kept getting knocked down, get up again, rinse, lather, repeat. And by the end of the day, with a lot of trial and error and, and even more error, I was, I was riding my bike. I'm sure I was pretty beat up. I'm sure my <laughs> jeans were just slashed. I had skin knees and all of that. I probably had a concussion or two, but they didn't have bike helmets back then. <laughs> so I just had a naturally. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> just a naturally thick skull. You know? uh, but eventually, by the end of the day, I could actually do it. I had mastered a skill that I, I still am able to use just yeah. on that day all, all those years ago. Now, I'm sure uh, I was in no way an expert. I tried, I did a crummy job, and I tried again. I was probably pretty bad at riding the bike for some time afterwards, like unstable and all of that. But eventually, I became proficient and skilled. And you know what? That's 
that's just how it all. That's just how it all works. Yeah, it takes time and effort with something if you want to understand it and accomplish it. Like if you want to be the best at something, mm-hmm. especially, it's going to take a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, maybe you just want to be able to do something enough to enjoy it. That's great too. But sometimes, like that, still takes effort. Like we still need just like a little bit of work in order to get to the where something can be enjoyable and we can feel good about it. It just takes that little bit of practice. Yeah, I'm not riding in the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Never did. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, it reminds me. So I have I've never been good at drawing. I have always wanted to be good at drawing, but I have never been able to draw really well. It's something that I often envy in my friends. Um, and I always heard that, like, to be good at drawing, you just have to practice. Like, you just have to start mm-hmm. doodling, and then just slowly you'll get better at it eventually. And it's a practice that I have tried and have failed at many times. But about a year and a half ago, I started uh, bullet journaling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know what a bullet journal is, but it changed my life. But it's kind of like a diary appointment book to-do list thing all mashed into one notebook. And, like, the point of it is that, like, everything is in that, right? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. You have one notebook that has, like, to-do lists and your cleaning schedule and what you're doing that week and your reflection on what you're grateful about. Like, everything is in this one notebook. Mm. And so I decided to start doing this. And when I first started, I bought my notebook and I bought all my pens and stickers and tapes and rulers and all the things that I thought I needed for it to look good. And then I sat there and didn't do anything with my bullet journal (laughs) for like months at a time. Because if you search Pinterest, once again, Uh for bullet journals, Mm -hmm. they look professional. And the people that have posted them have these huge themes of plants and succulents and cityscapes and ocean waves and all these amazing drawings and doodles that they do and the amazing charting that they all do. And looking at that, I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. I just let things collect dust for a while. Um, you were trying to go from zero to chub thumping. I was trying thumping. so hard to go from zero to tub thumping, but one simply <laughs> cannot do that. <laughs> so one day when I realized I couldn't do that, um, I decided to just take a deep breath and grab all my stuff and just start doing it. I realized that it's the practice of it that makes it fun. And the way that I can see myself get better is something that's exciting for me just as someone that wants to draw. But also the ways that I have learned to embrace the mistakes that I have or embrace where I am at in my drawing ability and embracing the fact that I'm learning something new and that maybe the vision in my head doesn't always make it to the paper, but that's okay. Yeah. So it's a bullet journal and you're doing this. I mean, does like who's the audience for it? Oh, it's just me. So it's all me. the Pinterest stuff, your view of other people was embarrassing to show yourself what you did. Like, how does that work? I mean, what was, is that? Yeah. Like, well, I think that is one thing that I had to reconcile with myself is that this bullet journal is just for me. Mm-hmm. I'm the only audience that, ever, that is ever going to see it. So mm-hmm. I don't need to be that professional, right. but that is still the expectation that I had in my head sure. was. Mm-hmm. I want it to look exactly perfect. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that was right. one thing where I was like, oh wait, this is just me. I'm the only one that ever has yeah. to see it. Yeah. And yeah. again, that like that that expectation of what success is can totally distract you from just enjoying the thing and frankly having it be useful in the right. case of a bullet journal. Like if you don't if you don't write anything down in a bullet journal for six months, it's not really working for <laughs> <Right>. you. <laughs> it's not really doing much. It's not helpful. <laughs> 
Yeah, but, but there's a there's a process there, right? I mean, there's there's just uh, giving a try. I keep I feel like I'm I'm a broken record on this point uh, today, but it's it's this tri- trial and error thing, and and you aren't going to be a, a Pinterest uh, celebrity with your bullet journal. But again, you're this is about you. And I mean, you don't know that, Dave. Maybe I will. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. So yeah, when we get caught up in what we see as the success of others, it's just so easy to get distracted. Like we think we're supposed to be something else or do something else or be great at something else. And we're often driven into ways of being that aren't really who we are. Sometimes the things we do are just worth the joy or just worth the practical help, like the bullet journal. Um, and, and some of the things that we do, the ways that they actually help us understand uh, who we are. Yeah, I talked a little earlier how we're doing some different stuff at home with uh, making food and, and kind mm-hmm. of our, you know, garbage and plastic and whatever. Um, and a few weeks ago, I was home and I was trying so hard to figure out how to make a baguette, which it turns out is really hard to do in a normal oven because there's not enough moisture in it to mm. keep it from, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't understand food. I just follow directions. But I was I was making it and I, I you know, I spent like, I made the dough the night before. I let it rise. You know, the next day, uh, you have to bake it at like as hot as you can and you have to take it out of the oven every five minutes and like spray water on it. And Noelle comes home and is looking at me and she's like, you know, this is a dollar 49 at Hy-Vee, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they come in plastic bags. Well, they do. That's right, no, true. No, no, not, not, sometimes they come in paper bags. Sometimes they yeah. do. But yeah. yeah, it was like, you know, like a dollar 49. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but for me, it was absolutely worth it. You know, there was the challenge of trying to figure this out. There was the wondering if I could do it. And mm. then honestly, when we, you know, ate dinner that night and we had this freshly made French baguette, it was the most amazing thing. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like brewing beer. Yeah. Like I, sometimes my beer is tolerable, mm-hmm. but we made it, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah, that's cool. There's something about that. There's something in that, that that's just worth the time even if it's not the best thing yeah 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 you don't have to be at like a professional level in order to enjoy something absolutely yeah it makes me think of um a couple weeks ago we were at a beer and hymns yeah um which was super fun so beer and hymns do say more about what beer and hymns i was there too but like (laughs) for our listeners who don't understand Mm -hmm. what beer and hymns is it is beer and hymns hymns we're singing in a bar (laughs) yeah yeah so everyone's, you know, has the beverage of their choice and we're all singing these songs that some of them are hymns, as you would mm-hmm. traditionally think of a hymn, and some of them are other songs that, you know, like we Dylan and hymns. other folk tunes. Yeah. And, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I found it very fun for many reasons, but one of them was that I got to play guitar at it, which even though I knew most of the people there, if not all of them, was very surprising to them because I actually play guitar. I don't know if you guys know this, but... I, I did as of that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny to me because I've actually been playing guitar for about 15 years, which is over half of my lifetime. Um, but so few people actually know about it. Yeah. Um, because I'm like not a great guitar player. I've been playing forever and I know the basic chords and I know some strum patterns and I can follow a chart pretty decently well, like enough that when I sit in my living room, I can sing a song mm-hmm. and enjoy it. I will never play professionally and I will never like bring the house down with a rock and solo and I will never play a sold out show, but that's all okay. Because Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting on my living room floor with that beat up guitar on my lap, it's my centering place. And Mm -hmm. it's 
the place where I can sing as loud as I want and where I can mess up and try and figure out new chords that sound terrible and <laughs> laugh at myself and just enjoy being in that moment yeah. and enjoy doing that. I will never be professional, but sometimes I can join in with friends at Beer and Hymns and sing loudly and play loudly and not care how I'm how I'm sounding. And I can always sit on my living room floor and just play. And that's all I need out of it. Yeah. And while you were playing and singing, I was there with a the beer just singing my ever-loving brains out. Like, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. You know, like singing like I was made to do it. Mm-hmm. And I am, you know, I'm, I don't sing in a band or a choir or anything. I, you know, I have in the past sang in some choirs, but like I'm not a not not the big awesome singer. That but I just for the sheer fun of it, it was yeah. so much fun, just to sit there and just the top of your lungs be be wailing away and just uh, <laughs> just having fun. It's just good. It's just yeah. You you put it well, like just the joy of it all, right? And and I think about the, those old American Idol shows. It's still on, but but back in the day, they used to just have you know people come on and they weren't any good, and the judges would just laugh and point and just mock them and and all of that. And you know it's they would do these pretty awful. They get laughed off the stage, and it, and it, that was part of the perverse fun of the whole show, right? It, but if you're not a professional grade singer and you just love to sing, that's what you do. You're not going to make it on American Idol. You're not going to mm-hmm. make it on The Voice. You're not going to mm-hmm. make it on X Factor. Uh, you're not going to have a standing gig. You just do it because you love it, and then you go to Beard Hymns. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it all is. Yeah, and if you're not the best, does it matter? Do we have to be experts all the time or virtuosos in a craft? Can't we just do something for the sheer joy of it? Isn't that, I mean, that should be okay. But we have this kind of expectation of perfection, and it's really unreasonable, whether it's with ourselves and it prevents us from doing things we love or with others, and it prevents us from you know, being community with them and understanding uh, what their experience is, those expectations can just totally get in the way. And so I think, you know, it's okay to be terrible. (laughs) It's okay to do something and be terrible at it it forever. But if you enjoy it, do it. Mm -hmm. Because doing something for the joy of it might just be exactly what we're supposed to do. There's an ancient creation poem that starts the Bible out. And it talks about how God makes things day after day after day, and it's good. Now, according to this poem, does God need to do this? Nope. (laughs) But God just does it. I would argue for the sheer joy of creating and making things. At the end, God rests, revels in, and enjoys the thing that was made. Now, punchline to this story is that the whole thing is rooted in the joy of creating, and it's all good. And while I'm at it, we can be a part of the same creative work. We can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we just try, day after day. And pretty soon, there's something new going on. And we can simply rest, revel in, and enjoy it. So, what are you trying today? What are you making today? What are you bringing into the world? And where do you find joy in the middle of it all? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with all things going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and join us in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the Sandbox. But until next time, we'll see you. Bye. 
please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.